Well, hey, friends, happy Sunday. It is really great to see you today, and I hope you're doing well. My name is Clay Munkus, and I get the honor of being the lead pastor here at Next Level. And even if we've never met, and I hope that we do one day, uh, I'm glad that you've chosen to join us today. Well, before we jump into our message, I want to share something really cool that we're doing next month. We are having a Serve Sunday on August 21st. And what we're going to do during that time is spend our normal gathering time that we would have on that Sunday serving our community. We've partnered with nine community organizations and organized projects to assist each of them. So on that day, we're going to have rooms set up all over our campus where you can work on a project that helps one of these partners partners and lots of info including who the partners are a description of each project and a sign-up link can all be found on our events page of our website hey just go check that out you'll hear more information as we get going well today we're continuing our series theology matters and last week i said that this kind of would be a two-part message on this word save so what we're going to do today is build on what we learned last week where we said This simple thing. Salvation is simple, but the process may not be easy. Salvation is simple, but the process may not be easy. And we ended last week with a question. Have you surrendered total ownership to Jesus? Have you allowed him to completely come in and take over your life, or are you holding pieces back? This week, we're going to continue exploring what that word saved means, and uh, again, last week we learned that it comes you know, from the word sozo, which means saved or rescued from great peril. Rescued from the great peril of being separated from God, not just in the next life, but in this life as well. But as we get started, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been stuck? Maybe it was in high school and you got labeled in a certain way. Maybe it was a nerd or a band geek or a jock. And no matter what you tried, the label just stayed on you and you felt stuck. Or maybe it's when you got older and you got that job where everyone around you was getting promoted, but you just kept getting passed over and you seem doomed to be stuck in that position for the rest of your career. Or maybe it was a relationship that you were in. And at first in that relationship, everything seemed great and excited, but over time you began to feel the connection fall away. And because you were afraid you would never find anyone else, you just stayed. And in the staying, you felt stuck. I think we've all felt stuck about one thing or another before. People get stuck in all kinds of ways. We get stuck in our mind. We get stuck in our emotions. We get stuck in our finances. We get stuck in our relationships. As I mentioned, some people get stuck in their careers. We can even get stuck spiritually. Ever been there? I have. Uh, Back in 2009, I'd been a Christian for nearly 20 years, and during that time, I had some amazing experiences with God, and I'd seen God do some miraculous things over those 20 years. But at this point, most of that just seemed like a long time ago. What I was left with was what felt like a routine, a routine of Bible reading, prayer, church on Sunday. Now, all of those are great things. You know, those are things that once brought all kinds of life, but now it just seemed like a routine of lifeless duties. You ever been there spiritually? You know, when when conversations related to faith make you feel uncomfortable or uneasy or where you find yourself distracted or bored during a church service or a a, a place um, where, you know, you used to spend time with God 
is now just filled with activities like Netflix, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, right? Or you just get lost in YouTube videos. And now you find yourself overly critical or cynical about people who claim that they're close to God. Like when we fall into spiritual ruts, the gaps between where we want to be and where we are, right, between expectations and reality, seem to widen no matter how hard we try to do better. Paul talks about this kind of struggle that goes on in Romans chapter 7, where he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. So, what do we do? How do you get unstuck and continue to grow in salvation? How can we experience more and more the rich and satisfying life that Jesus promised by being saved? Well, it actually involves a lot less doing and a lot more being. What it takes is a major shift in how we see being saved. Now, again, last week we looked at this verse in Romans chapter 10. Verse 9, it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And in this verse, we see that Paul is telling us that to be saved, there are two essential elements. Open declaration that Jesus is Lord, which we unpack to mean that we have declared that Jesus has complete and absolute ownership of our life. And then he says, a belief that God raised him from the dead. And that is a belief that he is who he claimed he is. And what happens a lot in church, at least the churches I grew up in, is this belief and declaration morph into kind of this practice of what I would call believe and behave, which can become a dangerous place for our souls and sometimes a dangerous place for the people around us. Let me give you an example of this from the life of Jesus, and it's found in John chapter 8. In verse 2 it says, But early the next morning at dawn, right, while it's still dark, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. And as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? Now, let's just stop there for a moment, because this is an excellent example of my point about believe and behave. And the first is this. Salvation is not just about what we believe. Okay, Belief is important, but it's not just about that. All right? We think if we just believe the right things, and many of the times we're the ones that define what is right, so if we just believe the right things, then God is going to be pleased with us. These, these religious leaders thought it was all about what we believe. Right, The law of Moses says... But Jesus didn't focus on just a set of beliefs. But what they thought back then has crept into our thinking today. And that is that everything is centered around having just the right set of beliefs. Just jump into any theological forum and you will see people being horrible humans as they defend their beliefs. Steve Jobs, who never became a Christian, had this thing to say about Christianity. He says, the juice goes out of Christianity when it becomes based more on beliefs rather than living 
like Jesus or seeing the world as Jesus saw it. Those are pretty powerful words. In other words, if God does not change you, your beliefs are worthless. If God is not real enough in your life that you are different, who cares about your beliefs? Our world, our, our culture is telling us right now, we don't care what you believe. And the reason is they're looking at who we are, how we live, how we love, or more specifically, how we don't love, and they don't like who we are. Thus, they don't care what we believe. The Apostle Paul, he says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, I, I can have the gift of prophecy and fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I have nothing. Basically, he's saying you can believe the most amazing things. You can have answers to all the questions, but you can still miss the most important things. One of my favorite things about pastoring at a church that's like Next, Lord, uh, Next Level is the stories that I get to hear from people that finally find genuine faith in Jesus. And usually the story goes something like this. You know, hey, um, I grew up in church and I thought I was a Christian my whole life. In fact, I did everything I was supposed to do. I went to youth group. I went to Sunday school. I even read the Bible you know, occasionally. But six months ago... I really began following Jesus, and now I'm learning what it really is like to be free. And if that sounds a lot like your story, you're not alone. right? There's lots of us who grew up in a church thinking it's all about making sure that we believe the right things. And there are so many people who think if they can just think the right things, that'll make them a Christian. But this is not how Jesus saw it. And in my experience... Solely focusing on getting the right beliefs leads you to a fake life. And you don't intend on creating this fake life in an illusion, but over time, that is what it has become. So salvation is not just about what we believe. Again, belief is important, but it's not just about that. And salvation is not about how we behave. Go back to verse 4. And look what the religious leaders said to Jesus. In verse 4 it said, Teacher, they said to Jesus, This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? These religious leaders were solidly focused on her behavior. Verse 2 tells us that it was very early in the morning. Some translations say at dawn when they brought the woman to Jesus. That means they had barged into a house in the dark, and grabbed her out of the bed. Think about how embarrassing and humiliating this experience was for her. But these guys were way more concerned about her behavior than any dignity. And because of what they believed about her behavior, somehow she deserved to die. But Jesus, who is brilliant, sees right through their actions, exposes the flaws of their own beliefs, and he exposes that they are just as wrong as her behavior is. Look again at what he says in verse 7 here. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, All right, let one of you who is without sin throw the first stone. It's interesting that Jesus uses this word sin here because Jesus, the word that he uses, the Greek, is hamatia. Uh, 
And this actually means to miss the mark. You see, God has a high and holy standard, what is right, but we constantly miss that standard. The standard goes back to the first commandment. You have no other gods but the one true God. Jesus is saying, you have play, never placed yourself, all right? Have any of you ever placed yourself before God? If you've never done that, then pick up the first stone, right? It's hard for us to step out of what we know. But there is a difference between the way God describes and explains sin on the one hand and the way that men describe on the other hand, right? Because for us, the word sin has everything to do with someone's behavior. We almost make it about behavior. And everyone sees sin as some sort of action, right? Too much drinking or looking at porn or cheating on your spouse. But again, Jesus sees it as something much deeper than our behavior. It's like he knows that even if we clean up all of our actions, things can still be terribly wrong in our heart. But if you spent much time growing up in a church, especially in the South, you were probably taught that salvation is just about the believing the right things and behaving the right way. All right, Believe and behave. So someone would come to church, and the goal became to get them to believe the right things, usually defined by that group. And once they prayed some sort of set of words, then the goal shifted to clean them up and make sure that they behaved the right way. Believe and behave. Believe and behave. Believe and behave. Believe and behave. And that is what many of us were taught. This is what being a Christian is all about. Believe and behave. And honestly, this is how the Old Testament Jewish leaders thought about salvation. Believe the right things, the law, and behave the right way. Keep the law. This is how they could bring a woman out and say she deserves to die. But Jesus comes along and says that the real and lasting salvation is not about believing and behaving. He says this, that salvation comes from repenting and believing. Okay, belief is in there, but he throws in this idea of repenting. Jesus makes it clear in a statement, right, at his baptism when he begins his ministry. This is recorded in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, 15, where Jesus himself said, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And here's what he said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So for Jesus, the good news of God, the kingdom of God, or salvation, does not come from believe and behave. It comes from repent and believe. And this idea is a huge paradigm shift for the Jewish leaders and their strict observance of the law. Right? And to be clear... This thing, it didn't abolish the law. It didn't diminish the law. It didn't supersede the law. It fulfilled the law. It was a paradigm shift, right? A, a whole sort of platform shift. Um, let me talk about a paradigm shift. You have one of these? Everybody got a smartphone? This is a paradigm shift. These did not abolish old phones. They didn't invalidate communicating via, via email. Uh, we were even texting before we had smartphones. But when the iPhone came out in June 2007, everything about email and texting and web browsing shifted. Now you could do all of those things and a whole ton more easily from anywhere that you are. Now you're long, no longer tied to a computer or a camera or a GPS device. 
This is a platform shift. This is a paradigm shift to something better. If anything, we email, text, surf the web, take pictures more now with smartphones than we ever did before. And in the same way, when it comes to salvation, it's not that believing or behaving was ever a bad thing. It's just that it was never meant to be what would save us. It's not what would bring the life to the full that Jesus came to offer. So Jesus comes and he says, hey, you are never going to believe and behave your way into a better relationship with God. You are never going to find the rich and satisfying life that's available through believing and behaving. He says the kingdom of God is found through repenting and believing. And that word repent is an important word. The word repent actually means to rethink or to turn and go in the opposite direction. This idea of repentance is critical to understanding salvation. This is how someone is able to continue to declare that Jesus is Lord. Our salvation is not found in a one-time declaration, right? It's found in a lifetime of declaration, and that only comes through the process of continual repentance and belief. And this is really important if you find yourself stuck in your relationship with Jesus. This is the first place I would look. Where are you when it comes to repentance? Because this is a lifelong process. This is not a one-time thing. So how do I do this? How do I move from believe and behave to true life change? Well, let's start with how most people try to handle this. Most Christians, at least the ones that I knew, that, that, that I grew up with, they try to handle getting unstuck by just trying to behave better. And so we buckle down, we try harder to do what is right or what we've been told is right, and the result of that is what we read from the beginning in Romans chapter 7, right? I, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. That is the result of just trying to behave better. And when we fail, yet again, to live up to some standard that we place on ourselves or that we have placed on us by others, we are left with guilt, and shame. So we try harder the next time, only to fail again, which produces more guilt and shame. And given enough time, we just feel stuck, like we will never break out of the spiritual pattern that we're in. But to break out of this pattern, to find life with God again, we need a platform shift. We need a paradigm platform shift. You need to repent and I know that word carries a lot of bad connotations in our present world, right? But it's not as ugly as movies or celebrity pastors make it feel. Let me explain this process of repentance to you right here in a platform shift. First thing begins with observe. First, we observe something, right? Something is not working. Something doesn't feel right. Or, or we uh, have lost some of the relationship. However it happens... We notice that something needs to change, so we observe. Then we begin the process of rethinking. Right? We begin to reconsider how we think about the issue. Is there another way of seeing this? Is there another way of doing this? Then we examine. What I mean by this is we look at and we examine, what does God have to say about this? Do some research in Scripture. Look at everything God has to say about the things that you're observing. What are his thoughts? How are they different than your thoughts? Then we obey. 
right? Now that you know what God has to say about the batter, your choice is to obey or not obey what he says. And this is where things are critical. If this last part, right, this is what will break, break you out of the rut that you're in. If we obey and walk in that direction, things change. But if we refuse to obey, we stay exactly where we are and we remain stuck. So it is O-R-E-O, right? We Observe, rethink, examine, and obey. O-R-E-O, Oreo, right? The secret to getting unstuck is Oreos, right? This is exactly what I went through back in 2009 when I found myself stuck. There were some things that God wanted me to rethink. He wanted me to see them the way he does, and he wanted me to obey what he had to say. And he didn't want me to just obey because he wanted to be bossy. No, he wanted my obedience because that's just how things work. And if I can just align to how things work, there is life to be found, right? When you tell your teenager that they cannot lie in bed and sleep till 3 o'clock every day, it's not because you just want to lord over their sleep. No, you just know that's not how things work in the world. And if they continue to do that, they will not be able to enjoy the life that is available. Repentance, which leads to obedience, is just God's way of aligning us to the way that things work. It is his way of setting us up for a rich and satisfying life. But in this life, not, not just in this life, but in the life to come. And if you feel yourself stuck in your relationship with God, you probably need to start right here. Because what I have learned is that God does not move on to the next things until we're obedient with the thing that he has already shown us. This is the process of salvation. I believe, right, I put all my trust in that God raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore, I declare him as Lord, absolute owner of my life. And I continue that declaration with ongoing repentance, O-R-E-O. Observe, rethink, examine, obey. So, maybe today, Jesus is shining a bright light on your life. And if so, what does it look like? Are you caught up in a guilt cycle of believe and behave? Maybe you're raised to believe that all you have to do is believe a certain thing and behave a certain way and that somehow this is what God wants from you. And you've been looking for the right combination of behaviors to actually bring you joy in this life and this freedom everyone talks about. Like, is it pray? Is it go to church? Is it read the Bible, give money? Is it, what combination of that? But no combination of beliefs and behaviors has set you free. What you need is a platform shift. What you need is to surrender and to go all in with Jesus. You need to take the step into obedience and confess that you've been going the wrong way and truly repent. Go the opposite direction. You need an O-R-E-O, Oreo. Observe, rethink, examine, obey. If this is what you're feeling, I wanna pray with you right here. So let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the life that you've given me over the last 13 years. Thank you for showing me the path to salvation is not just a lifetime of believe and behave and believe and behave. And there may be some today that are stuck in that trap of behavior management or sin management. Holy Spirit, come and reveal to them how this process of repentance can be a platform shift in their life that will lead to a rich, satisfying and abundant life. 
Jesus, I pray for all of us that we would have the courage to rethink the way we see things and we would have the strength to obey what you have to say about all of this. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Amen. Well, hey, friends, thanks for joining us today. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone you know, would you mind sharing this video? Not only could it be helpful for them, but by sharing this content, as well as liking and subscribing to the channel that you're watching on right now, you help us accomplish our mission to raise the reputation of Jesus. And as we say every week, uh, we would love it if, if you would head over to our website at nextlevelchurch.org give. Choose one of those giving options that's there. Your faithful support helps us do things like the Serve Sunday that's coming to raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play. Now, by way of benediction, let me read to you again what Jesus said in Mark 1 right after his baptism. He says, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. May you this week, may you experience an absolute platform shift. May you move into repentance as you rethink and obey. May you find the abundant life that's available. Hey guys, thanks for being with us this week. I hope you have a blessed week. We'll see you every day on all of our social channels. Just know whatever you got going on, we love you and I'm praying for you.